We're taking a few weeks to look at the third day. It was the third day in creation that signaled the transition from death to life. Anybody want that this morning? It was the third day that triggered a transformation in the natural throughout the week of creation. The third day is a day that's ripe with the fruit of promise. The third day, Abraham offered Isaac to the Lord. The third day, Joshua crossed over the Jordan. Anybody ready just to come on, experience the power of what God wants to release in the third day? It was the third day that Hezekiah's years were added. It was the third day that Jonah came out of the belly of the whale when everybody thought it was all over and Nineveh was heading down the wrong track. But he was the preacher that turned them around and a city saw God because the power of the third day. God wants to release something this morning. You may be seated on the power of this third day. It was in John chapter 2 that the Passover is at hand. Would you let me just pass by the funny stories and illustrations this morning? Is that all right? Y'all want a hot dog anyway, so. Or maybe you don't. In John chapter 2, the Passover is at hand and Jesus goes up to Jerusalem. This was like a cash cow opportunity for entrepreneurs of the area. People who had traveled had done the math on bringing a lamb with them for the journey versus just buying one when they got there. So they knew it was easier. It was easier to buy an offering than to bring one. And so to convenience those people, there would be a market that was set up in the temple. Not just the market would be set up, but money changers were there to convert the various currencies of one standard into one standard coinage. The sanctuary shekel was used for the payment of the annual temple tax. It was used for purchases and requirements in the temple, the sanctuary shekel was, and people coming from various regions and various areas would need their money changed, but that came at a cost. Has anyone ever had to get your money changed in the airport before? You know what I'm talking about. An added percentage, a little bit for the transaction, a little bit for the person in the middle, they have to pay their way, but Jesus saw beyond the cover of what was happening and looked to the heart of what they were doing, and he said, this place is full of a den of thieves and robbers. The problem that he had was that what had initially maybe started at a convenience became a cover for the thieves who created an unnecessary cost in order for someone to bring their worship to God. There still is a cost to worshiping God, don't get me wrong. But sometimes I think we, can, uh, we, can, we have to be cautious that we don't create an environment that someone has to climb over to bring their worship to God. It still happens in this day and in this age. Can I let somebody know that regardless of what your week was like, your month was like, the last 10 years of your life was like, you don't have to climb over anything to bring your worship to God in the room this morning. There's an opportunity for you to avail whatever you want to bring to God in the room. We're not, we're not hanging anything over your head today. There isn't, there isn't an exchange rate on your worship this morning. If you came and you had a desire to turn your life around or you came this morning and you have a focus to give your life back to God, you don't have to climb over anything.
any of the rest of us to come on, bring your life as a living sacrifice to the Lord this morning. Can I tell you, there's a group of people in this room that are cheering you on. We paved the way if we could. We rolled a red carpet from the entry to the altar to let somebody know this morning, you don't have to live the way that you've been living. Your life can be changed today. Bring it to God and watch what God can do with it this morning. But it was in that environment, it upset Jesus. And, and Jesus declared to them as he tipped tables over and he turned the coins onto the floor. And everybody was, uh, some people have called it the temple tantrum. I've seen a few of those. Not just by people four years and under either. But Jesus was there. He was upset about the right reason. Call it righteous indignation. Call it a holy anger. I don't know what you want to call it, but he was upset because the temple had become what it never was intended to be. God, keep our focus today. God, keep us tracking with what you want us to be in this day and in this age. Don't let this sanctuary become anything but what you want it to be, God. You see, Jesus took a moment and he poked them right in their pride. It was the pride of their, uh, their nation. It was the pride of their religion, that temple that Jesus stood in that day, and he was making a mess. I'm pretty sure that any of the staff would come a little bit unglued if, if people started throwing everything around in the foyer today. I think, I think it would happen. So the, the Pharisees or the scribes, the priesthood, they, they got a little bit upset with what Jesus was doing and, and they began to question him about what was happening. And, and his response to them in that moment was, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. He hit them right where it hurt. He hit the mark. They reacted with disdain. They reacted out of anger. They reacted with their prideful spirits. And they said to him, 40 and 6 years was this temple in building. And wilt thou rear it up in just 3 days? They stood in the midst of that temple. We'll talk about it in just a few minutes. And they stared back at Jesus and said, it's going to take a lot longer than 3 days for just one man to accomplish all of this. But they had no idea who they were talking to. They had no understanding about the one that was in their midst. They, they knew that he was a teacher sent from God. Maybe they're questioning that. But they knew that he was a teacher that could turn them upside down in all their phrases. He could turn them inside out with their own words. You see, the author of the book was standing in front of all these study, uh, students of the book. And he was declaring to them about his ability he had the attention of more than just the onlookers in this moment. The disciples had paid close attention to what he was doing. As a matter of fact, they were probably, you know, just a... As a matter of fact, John, in chapter 2, verse 17, if you just backed up a few verses when they observed his actions, his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. The zeal of thine house. The thine house that they were referring to just wasn't the feat of human engineering that they were standing in. This house that they were referring to was the temple of God. And Jesus had every right as God manifest in the flesh to clean up everything that he saw that was wrong. 
This God that was manifest in the flesh got zealous about what was happening because he desired for that temple to have an on-ramp for people to get to him. He desired for that temple for it to be a clear, distinct path for people to come into the presence of God. And now all of a sudden there were barriers and barricades and things holding individuals back and unnecessary costs. I'm just talking to somebody today to let you know God always has a desire for you to have a clear path into his presence. That's God's desire this morning. It would appear that God gave David the plan for a permanent place for him to dwell among his people. First Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 19. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me. Even all the works of this pattern. Now we know, pastors already talked about it. Our minister Daniel on Wednesday night referred to it. David couldn't build it. He was a man of war. But David's son could. And so Solomon undertook the job of construction. David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. It was what was important that the house be constructed. It was, it was important even where it was constructed. David may not have been able to put his hands into the task of building that temple. However, he could lay everything out. To me, that's the biggest job, by the way. Knowing what to do, where to do it, and how to do it. The actual work takes not nearly as much. Now, I'm a little dumber than the rest of you. But knowing what to do. And, and David prepared every element that he could for his son. It, 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 they could have chosen Shiloh, but that wasn't the place that, that was picked. It wasn't, uh, they could have said it was going to be in Shechem or Oprah or Gilgal or Mizpah or Ramah. All those places in the past have been very important spiritual connections for the people of God. Not even Bethel, which means the house of God, was where God instructed David to put his house. It was this place, this place in Jerusalem. It wasn't in the wilderness location. They could have chosen there, but rather David. He had purchased a hilltop, a threshing floor from Aron of the Jebusite. It was a plague that God had brought upon his people because of that plague. David rushed to where the angel was. He was at the threshing floor of Aron of the Jebusite, and it was at that threshing floor where David realized he was going to offer back to the Lord a sacrifice and a request to stop the plague amongst his people. He refused to offer God which, that which cost him nothing. You know the story. He, he, he refused to get it for free. He paid for it because I'm not going to offer it to God. It's not much of an offering if I don't have to pay for it. And this location was more than just Arona's threshing floor. If you track back in history, it was the place of Abraham's sacrifice on Mount Moriah. It had historical significance. It was a place of sacrifice. It would be a place of sacrifice. And it still is going to be a place of sacrifice. And David picked that spot. 
He extended the borders of Jerusalem, built the walls to encompass the area, and the construction was prepared. So when Solomon was ready to build, the temple was ready to be built. We don't have time to talk about it all this morning, but it was the marvel of their modern world. The Queen of Sheba said that when she, when she saw it, she said, I, I, I believe not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. He, she said, I didn't believe what I heard, but when I saw it, what I heard wasn't even a half of what I saw. Solomon exceeded her expectations and, and what people could describe and put into words couldn't even come halfway to what she had expected to see. Now this is, it wasn't the, uh, you know, a common traveler. It was, she wasn't just a tourist in the area. This was a queen. I mean, she knew what wealth was. But the temple that Solomon had constructed, that David had prepared, she said the half of it couldn't even be told. You see, the physical temple was a symbol of Israel's spiritual state. Nothing deep this morning. You can track with me. If the temple was in good repair, the people were in good shape. If the temple was in order, then spiritually they were in order. The temple was a picture of God's people. It was a mirror. Maybe they didn't even realize it. But what was happening in the natural, when people came and the temple was all in place, when the priests were going about their duties, their responsibilities, when the sacrifices were being offered and all the artifacts, we just went through that study with pastor. I won't take time to do it, but if that was all in order, then Israel was in her right place with God. But you watch the moment that she began to backslide. All of a sudden, things began to fall off the wayside. All of a sudden, the sacrifices became more about a meal for the priesthood than it was an offering to God. More than the fat that was given, that was the Lord's. All of a sudden, they were diving in with the flesh hook and it became theirs. Why? Because when the offering became about the people and not about the God of the people, Israel was in a backslidden state. I don't want to be in that position. That's why we encourage worship. Why? Because it's God's this morning. It's not for us. It's not for anyone in the room. Our performance. This is not a performance-based message this morning. This is about a call to a relationship with God. This is about a call to a place of revival for our church. Why? Because the temple is a picture. That, that's what threw us for, in, in, in such a state at the beginning of March. All of a sudden, it's not all. Everyone says that the, the church isn't a building. No, but I'll tell you what. This is an indicator of what's happening in the supernatural. I may not get a lot of amens on that, but I'll repeat, I'll repeat it because I'm right. This room, is a, it's an indicator about what's happening in our spiritual state. This is a responsibility that we have. Your attendance matters in this room. We're going to do everything we can to make sure everybody's safe. Believe me, we will. We'll buy hand sanitizer until we can't get it anywhere, and then we'll make our own. Because we've done it before. We'll dip your hands in rubbing alcohol just to get in the room. We'll buy masks for you if you don't have one. And it's necessary. I'm not trying to be funny this morning. But I am telling you that what happens in this room is a picture of what's happening in the supernatural realm.
It's a picture of how we're doing as a people. And that's why the enemy wants to get in and bring little divisions. And that's why the enemy wants to get in and try and thwart the purpose and the, the mind of it. That's why the enemy wants to get in there and kind of bring an attack against the ministers or the ministry or each other. The, the devil is all about destruction. Why? If he can destroy the temple, his job is halfway done. You say, Jack, you're putting too much emphasis on a room. I'm not. It's about the people that are in this room. But here's what I've learned. That if the people are in the right relationship with God, this room matters to you. If you're in the right place with God. You know what I see? When people get closer to God, Pastor Jack, is it all right if I come by the church and pray this morning? Pastor Jack, is it all right if I, I just really, I, there's some things that are stirring in my spirit. Is it all right if we swing by this afternoon? Is anybody going to be at the church today? Can we get into the church to pray? Is anybody able to baptize somebody today? This baptism, is the baptismal ready this morning? Yeah, I'll tell you why it's ready. Because this place matters. It's a picture of what's happening in this supernatural. The physical temple was a symbol of Israel's spiritual state. When Israel backslid, the temple would be completely decimated. It wasn't just from within, however. Just think with me. This is not deep this morning. I know we're bouncing around the Old Testament, but this is such a basic principle. You can, take the, you can remember this at lunch. You may even remember, remember this tomorrow. Here's, here's point number one. Temple destruction is the enemy's prime obsession and occupation. Mark it down. It always has been. It still is. And until we're ushered out of here, it will be. The thief's purpose Jesus said it, John 10, the thief cometh not, but he didn't come to fix the place up. He didn't come to add anything to what was happening. He comes but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. His purpose, Lucifer, call him whatever you want to call him, has a desire for destruction. He has an intention for desolation. That's his plan. Period. So no wonder. Now I'm just, I'm just simple guy. But if I rolled in and I saw a building, and I was the enemy, and I saw a building that the half had only ever been told, the most beautiful building that I had ever seen, I wouldn't destroy it. I'd move in. I'd move in. I'd want it. I'd want it for myself. Why would I destroy the effort of somebody else? Why would I destroy what someone else had built for me? If I overcame them, if I was a strong man and I went in and bound the man of the house and took over the house, then I'd want that house for myself. But no, you watch what happens in ancient Israel. When the enemy would come in, they wouldn't say, whoa, gold, brass. Thousands of hours by experienced craftsmen, all constructed for us. No, you watch what they do. Destroy it. Tear it down. Rip the doors off. Tear out the artifacts. Get the altar and 
Come on, let's, let's rip the bronze off the doors. Let's get rid of the, Let's get the gold. Let's destroy it. Why? That's the enemy's intention. We're going to destroy the temple. We're going to tear it apart. We're going to rip stone from stone. We're going to, it's going to be upheaval. We're going to, we're just going to destroy it. Can I tell you that the enemy's plan and the enemy's purpose in 2020 has not changed in 4,000 years. His desire, his purpose, his will is to destroy the church. It's to destroy what's happening in this room. It's to destroy the picture that God is presenting to the world. He still wants to destroy. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And God wouldn't allow his glory to rest among his people and their hearts were far from him. So he would allow the enemy to overtake them and overcome them and without fail, time after time, their focus became the destruction of the temple. It happened to Solomon's temple, that beautiful building. When Babylon's king Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem, he overtook it and destroyed it. And like always, Israel would realize the area of her ways and repentance would come and revival would follow. And with revival came the rebuilding. Ezra, Nehemiah, let's go rebuild the wall. Ezra, let's... Come on, any boys and girls in the room? I know Pastor Jack's preaching above kids' heads this morning. Here we are. Are you ready, kids? All the children, are you ready? Building up the temple. Okay, now that we're all reminded that the boys don't say, girls, won't you help us? <laughs> Building up the temp. Oh, I changed keys. But that was what happened, building up the Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah, they'd all emphasize the point. When we're in right relationship with God, when we're in revival, then the temple gets rebuilt. Ezekiel would have a vision of a temple so descriptive it could serve as the, for the purposes of construction. But you watch it over and over again. When the temple would be built up, Zerubbabel's temple tore back down. Antiochus Epiphanes would come in and he would defame the temple. His picture of his defamation of that temple would be such a picture of what's going to happen in the end times. You could almost have a playbook for the Antichrist of what's going to happen. Why? Because it was about destroying the temple. Judas Maccabeus would come in and he would defend it. He'd rededicate it. And then in 37 BC, King Herod comes to power. King Herod would take 46 years to comprise the construction of Herod's temple. It's this temple where the birth of John the Baptist was announced. It was that temple. That temple that King Herod rebuilt. Herod's temple. We can come back to the music this morning. It's this temple where Simeon and Anna waited for the word of a Messiah in their midst. It's this temple that Mary and Joseph's sandals would leave marks as they entered with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to dedicate him to the Lord. It's this temple that echoes the teachings of a 12-year-old boy who astounds the scribes and scholars as he goes about the business of his father. It was that temple. It was that temple that had been long awaited. It was that temple that 
Nehemiah's purpose and picture came into reality for the priesthood. It was that temple that Ezra had preached about and restored the heart of Israel. It was that temple. So no wonder the scribes and the Pharisees and the priesthood. When Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll build it up. Something got sideways inside them. You see, they didn't understand what he was speaking about. The only reason for Herod's temple that I can see in Scripture was that it would become the backdrop of the greatest prophetic promise that this world had ever heard. Its only existence may have been for the moment when Jesus said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Could it be that God would raise up Herod, raised in a Jewish household? With good intentions and desires, I've actually found that apparently Herod didn't just build a temple for the Jews. He actually kind of played to the Romans too. He built them a couple of or they think, they're understanding, they may, it may be that he built them their own pagan temple. So Herod, he wasn't just this devoted follower, but he created this opportunity. So the opportunity, maybe it would, it would revive or it would renew the priesthood or get them in action or working, but the greatest purpose of that temple was so that the greatest promise could be declared as Jesus stood in front of it and said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Here's our promise this morning. In the midst of the devastation of your life, understand that you're not alone. This isn't something new. The enemy hasn't had a new idea in 6,000 years. You aren't the only one that's been attacked. I'll just do a newsflash. You aren't the only one that's ever felt destroyed. That's his mode of operation. That's his modus operandi. Is that the right thing? That's what he does. The problem is, is that when we fail to realize that when we restore a relationship with God, he rebuilds the temple. Paul declared, he said, what know ye not that your body is the the temple that Jesus stood in front of was going to be destroyed just some 70 years after his death, after his birth, after his death, A.D. It was going to be destroyed, but the prophetic promise of his life was about to bring life to every Whosoever will. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ was going to be a picture of what he could do in the midst of devastation and destruction. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Destroy that temple, but in three days God can raise it up. Maybe in the first and second thousand years it didn't happen from 0 to 999. AD or from 
1000 to 1999 maybe it didn't occur but can i tell you that god wants to do something in this third day if a day with the lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day that in this third day of prophetic promise and utterance then we have the opportunity for here for us to hear the call of god to say come on i'm going to revive you ccc come on i'm going to revive you apostolic church come on end time revival is there this is that we can raise the screen I'm preparing to finish I'm cautious we're cautious we're careful but not more careful than we are about the liberties that we give up do I have to talk in code can we all understand what, what we're talking about this morning? This isn't anarchy. But it's saying that we have to be very careful that we don't give up the rights that we have to be who we are. Because this matters. Let me remind you, the enemy's tactics still have not changed. His desire to destroy the church as it is, is right there. And if he has an opportunity, it may be very well-intentioned people that open the wrong door and the enemy just walks through and says, I'll use that. I'll use that. I'll, I'll bring division through that. I'll, I'll bring discord through that. Whoa, whoa. He's laughing. He, come on. The enemy right now, because he has so many opportunities to bring division. You're not going to believe it. Oh my God. What? Seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mr. Bean. Not in my notes. The enemy's plan is still to destroy the church. The enemy's plan is still to destroy the temple. But we have a prophetic promise that said, come on, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Do your best work, devil. Do your best work against the church. But there's still an end time prophetic promise that says, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Come on, multi-generational promise is there, and I'm ready to receive it. In spite of what the enemy wants to do. Come on, you know why we get just a little bit like a car dog? You know why? Because this is his temple. You are 
his temple. And I got a word for someone this morning. Came to me in prayer meeting on a Friday night. God said someone's going to be in the room. And they're not going to know what to do. Because they've been destroyed. They've been turned over by sin. They feel like they've been put in the grave of, and hope has died. I just came to let somebody know this morning. Destroy this temple. But in three days, God is going to raise it up. Come on, devil. Take your best shot. I'm coming out of the grave. Woo! Come on, Lazarus. Come forth. Come out of the grave. Come out of the grave. Come out of the grave. The grave's not yours. The grave's not where you're supposed to be. That's why Jesus said, somebody, come on, get the grave clothes off of him. That's not where Lazarus is supposed to be. I've come to let somebody know this morning the grave isn't yours. Destroy this temple. But in three days, God's going to raise it up. In this generation, God's raising it up. God's raising us up out of, come on, out of places. Come on, out of places of destruction, out of spiritual devastation. I hear the call this morning. Come on, Lazarus, come forth. I hear the call this morning. Is anybody hear that call today? You can stand together with me. That's why we take the stand that we do. You say, Pastor Jack, it's family fun day. I know. It's all about our families. You know why we take the stand we do against alcohol? Because alcohol is a temple destroyer. You know why we take the stand we do against drugs, mind-altering drugs? You can't make a good decision on drugs. It's a temple destroyer. You know why we're pro-family? You know why we work with couples? You know why we work with husbands and wives? You know, you know why we teach our children? You know why we talk to them about, about having a right relationship with the opposite sex until they're married? You know why we do that? Because we don't want them to destroy their temple. That's all temple destruction. We're about temple building. It's about building up the temple. And so this this family fun day. You want to know what's fun when a, when a family gets restored? You want to know what's fun when God does a miracle? When God turns an alcoholic into a, a revivalist? That when God takes and someone that's been bound up by drugs and brings them into his presence and they get hooked on Jesus? That's what we're talking about. That's temple building. He still builds up the temple. I can't see the clock. Someone's standing right in front of it. I'm sorry. Jesus' life was a model of what he can do with the broken life.
come on he's still that God he's still the God that puts families together he's still the God that restores he's still the God that builds up temples every every stretch of that Roman whip out over his back and as it broke through the brokenness that happened in his body he allowed it to occur why so he could bring wholeness to ours he rebuilds temples he allowed the Roman cross carried it stretched himself upon it body broken bleeding bruised why it's a picture of what's gonna happen when somebody's broken and bruised when they're broken they've been hurt from the outside they've been destroyed on the inside I, I just want them to know what I can do with the broken temple because he wanted us to know what he could do with dead hope with impossibilities he wanted us to know he wanted us to know that first day everybody was brokenhearted that second day was full of confusion but on that third day when they went to come on when they went to that tomb and the stone was rolled away and his body wasn't there and there was a napkin folded saying I'm coming back for my people I'm telling you what it was on the third day it was the promise of hope it was the promise of life it was the promise it was a promise that he was a temple rebuilder that's the power of a third day we had a baptism on Monday evening I loved it you know why looked at the picture after a big smile you know what God is he's a temple builder bring your brokenness bring all the pieces it's nothing but a bunch of broken bricks and stones and everything upheaval and everything turned on top of each other God says oh I'll just bring it here for a minute bring it here three days destroy the temple but in three days in three days oh three days I'm gonna whoo watch what God begins to do you see the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy but God says just a minute I'm gonna put it all back together whoa look at that come on and we rise to walk in newness of life let me tell you why he's a temple rebuilder that's what God is come on someone thank God for what he's done There's an anointing in this room.
come on the spirit of the lord is upon me why he didn't come to destroy he came to bind up the brokenhearted he come to set at liberty them that are bruised that's what he did why he's a temple rebuilder destroy this temple but in three days in that third day of power in that third day of promise don't miss it come on don't miss it i'll say what brother stevie dudley said holy ghost or hot dogs this morning anybody want it i wish i was 20 years younger i jump Jockin, will you jump for me Jockin? Come on, jump. Jump like four feet high. Don't stop for a minute. Don't stop for a minute. Yeah, thank you. I wish someone would join him. Just let the devil know you're not dead this morning. I feel it flowing. Woo! I'm finished there's power over brokenness power over hurt power over devastation power over personal failure there's power this morning because the promise of the third day is here see someone got it this is that Hosea talked about it, but someone got to say this morning, this is that. Someone got to shout it out, this is that. Come, let us return to the Lord. He hath torn, but he will heal us. He has smitten, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up. Anybody want to take that promise? This is that. Thank you for being patient with me today. God's doing it. God's beginning it. There's a stirring in the tomb this morning. There's a stirring in somebody's tomb this morning. If you can hear the call. in the third day he will raise us up let's sing this morning <laughs>